Welcome to the radio ministry of Cedar Grove United Methodist Church. May God fill you and transform you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now for some music and then Pastor Brian Bully. to be reading Romans 11, 1 to 2a, 29 to 32. Paul is speaking in this. I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable, just as you who are 
who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience. So they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy upon them all. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our gospel reading today is from Matthew 15. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? And he replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a mouth a person's mouth, come from the heart, and those defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, a couple days after Jesus and Peter walked on water, a group of Pharisees came down from Jerusalem and they jumped his case. Now, the Pharisees were a group of Jews who were focused upon following the law of Moses totally. They taught in the synagogues and they argued and debated about what the precise meaning was of many things they found in the Old Testament. For example, they had come to the conclusion that the prohibition against working on the Sabbath, that is on Saturdays, meant that women could not draw water from wells on those days since that was normally women's work. But it was okay for a man to draw water from a well since this was normally not a man's job. Well, this day they jumped on Jesus over the fact that his disciples weren't washing their hands before meals arguing that since their hands were dirty and impure, this made the disciples nasty and impure, not fit to worship God. This wasn't in the law. There was only some hand-washing talked about 
with the priests before they did sacrifices. But this idea of, no, of everyone needing to wash their hands before and after meals had developed over the centuries through the interpretations of the law by the Pharisees. Well, Jesus responded that they were being hypocrites because the Pharisees had decided that if a man, for example, declared part of his estate or money to be dedicated to God, it allowed him to stop supporting his mother and father in their old age. Of course, this was self-serving, declaring something to be dedicated to God because often the money that was dedicated to God went to the local synagogue and the Pharisees who ran it. And then Jesus turned to the crowd and responded directly to the Pharisees' accusation that, that, that eating without washing hands made a man impure or defiled. Listen and understand, he said. What goes into someone's mouth doesn't defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Well, the disciples came to him a few minutes later and told him, you realize the Pharisees were offended by what you said, don't you? Well, Jesus said, look, every plant planted by my heavenly Father will be pulled up by the roots. Let the Pharisee leave the Pharisees. They're blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. In other words, the Pharisees had developed many ideas about purity and following the law of Moses that were not given by God. They needed to be uprooted. All those ideas will eventually be thrown away like weeds pulled up by a gardener. Jesus continued to say that the Pharisees were blind, not knowing what they were teaching or where they were going, and they would lead themselves and others to fall into destruction. Now, we've seen this today, haven't we? There are many people who get lost in the weeds over exactly what is allowed and what's not allowed when we're Christians. And many of these people don't allow a bit of God's grace to step in, but simply want some hard and fast rules to follow like seven-year-olds do. Some of the rules that supposedly must be followed by a Christian, according to these modern-day Pharisees, include these. First of all, no Christian should ever take a drink of alcohol. But you see, this was a response about 170 years ago to an epidemic of alcoholism that created the Women's Temperance Union. A reading of the Bible shows Jesus actually turning water into wine, and real wine was used in Holy Communion from the first night at the Last Supper worldwide until Mr. Welch learn to pasteurize and bottle grape juice. The Bible does teach that drunkenness is to be avoided. And so if, if you have a sensitivity to alcohol or an addiction to alcohol, you probably need to avoid alcohol. Here's the second thing. No one should work on Sundays. You've heard that. This has two errors. First, the biblical Sabbath is Saturday. We choose to celebrate the Lord's resurrection on Sunday mornings which is not the biblical Sabbath. The second error is that Jesus expressly points out that the Sabbath was made for men. Men were not made for the Sabbath. In other words, we should take advantage of the rest offered by a weekly Sabbath day, but don't let the Sabbath laws rule your life and cause harm. Helping others is more important than not working. Jesus healed people on the Sabbath. He worked that day. He got in trouble over it, but this is what Jesus did. 
A third man-made rule. We have to follow a certain dress code, especially on Sundays. If we were being true to a proper biblical dress code, we would all wear blue fringed prayer shawls with small packets containing scripture on our foreheads and robes instead of suits and dresses. Expensive and special dress codes keep people away from God and should be done away with. And all men, by the way, should wear hats in church as modern Jews still do, covering our heads. The custom of taking hats off indoors dates back to when the army and the navy wore these large hats about 200 years ago. They were taken off to avoid knocking over lamps and furniture. Talking about more man-made traditions, I know of one church where when the lay leader left the pulpit area and the pastor came up, they would bow to each other. Well, new pastor at the church said, well, why do we do this? And the, the lay leader said, I really don't know, but it's just what we do. And one old man in the back raised his hand and said, you know, there used to be an exhaust flue from the pot-bellied stove that ran horizontally over the steps to the pulpit. And the two men bowed to each other at that point to keep from knocking their heads on the pipe. And they continued the practice long after central heating arrived about 50 years ago and we took the pipe out. Well, Peter asked Jesus to explain the parable about what defiles a person. Well, Jesus, somewhat frustrated with Peter, explained that if you eat something, it just goes into the body and eventually ends up in the sewer. But what comes out of a man's mouth comes from the heart. Evil thoughts and words and deeds, and that's what makes a person unfit for God, impure and defiled. Not eating with unwashed hands. That doesn't matter. Well, after that, Jesus decided it was time for a field trip. And they left Galilee, and they walked up to the northwest to the coast of Lebanon near the cities of Tyre and Sidon. This was not a Jewish land. It was a land where Phoenicians and Canaanite people lived. It was the land where the evil queen Jezebel had come from hundreds of years earlier. And at that time, at Jesus' time, like Israel, Lebanon was ruled by the Romans. But the territory had a different governor than Israel and a different dialect and a different culture. Like today, it was a different country, even with a different religion. Well, a local Canaanite woman, not a Jew, she came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. And in one of the most amazing scenes of the New Testament, Jesus doesn't answer a word. In effect, he ignores her. He ignores her so long and she keeps on crying that the disciples ask him to send her away because she is so annoying. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. That hits us close to home, doesn't it? After all, are you Jewish? Can you trace your ancestry back through the 12 tribes of Israel? So was Jesus sent for you and me? Or was he only sent to the Jews, the Israelites? It's a scary thought, isn't it? Could it be that Jesus wasn't sent for us Americans? After all, 
Here he says, plain as the clouds we had earlier this week, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And few among us can claim to be, have Jewish ancestry. But the woman comes and kneels before him. Lord, help me, she said, probably with a note of desperation. And Jesus went a step further. It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Did Jesus just call her a dog? You can just see the disciples. Maybe Judas is back there in the back nodding and muttering to another one. Finally, he agrees that these people aren't worth helping. For in that day, few people liked foreigners. Now, has that changed today? But perhaps there was something running around in the disciples' minds that day. A remembering of some old scripture from the great prophet Isaiah. From Isaiah's book, chapter 56. That's just three chapters after the song of the suffering servant. The chapter that was written centuries before Jesus walked the earth and most clearly points to Jesus. In chapter 56, Isaiah quotes the Lord as saying, Maintain justice and do what's right. For my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Sovereign Lord declares, He who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others for them, besides those already gathered. But Jesus just said, It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. But this desperate woman... The woman with a demon-possessed daughter who has suffered terribly, she has courage. She responds to Jesus' comment about the bread being tossed to the dogs and said, It is right, Lord, to take the bread. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. What would Jesus do in the face of this insolent woman and her cheeky response to his comment? Well, you can just see the smile break out on his face. This woman had shown that she had courage and intelligence and persistence. She knew that she was important and valuable, and her daughter was valuable, no matter what this foreign holy man might say to her. For to her, Jesus was the foreigner. And she had also shown that she had great faith in Jesus. And so he said, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Now you wonder, why did Jesus speak to this woman in such a harsh and demeaning way? Was it to test her? To see if she had an inner strength? Or was it for the benefit of the disciples? You see, in that day, rabbis like Jesus were supposed to keep themselves very pure, very holy, separated for God. It's much the same way that pastors today are expected to live better lives in their congregations. In fact, I've heard one person say that a pastor is someone who's paid to live better than their congregations. As part of the deal in those days, it was mildly scandalous 
when a rabbi even talked to a woman, especially a non-Jewish woman who was not part of his family or even his country, her impurity might somehow jump onto him. It's much the same way that a preacher is talked about negatively by some people if he walks into a bar or sits down to talk with a drug user or a scantily clad woman or even in some circles, even if he speaks with a divorced woman. Somehow we still feel that he might be contaminated by the people around him. Somehow we feel that some people are purer than others and some people are less pure and their contamination can contaminate other people. And so when Jesus spoke to the woman, he was simply speaking as almost everyone around him felt. He was sent only to the good Jews or maybe the lost Jews. After all, anyone who was not a Jew was considered to be a dog, a filthy little creature that should barely be fed. But Jesus wanted to show his disciples and us that all these different kinds of people that were looked down upon by the Pharisees of the day, Romans and prostitutes, the poor, tax collectors, tavern owners, foreign women, they were all in need of his healing, just as much or more than the good Pharisees were. And Jesus made a point of drawing attention to the people he healed because that meant more people who needed healing were likely to come to him, either when he walked on the earth or in the future. Simultaneously, you see, all people, all people are unworthy of heaven, but all people are worthy of grace. So Jesus healed the woman. He changed the disciples' minds just a little bit. He gave her crumbs from his table of healing. Isaiah had repeated God's words about the foreigners being welcomed, and that was not being changed. And the Apostle Paul also spoke of how God called all people to himself. He said, for God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. All people. Mercy on them all. Have you ever thought what it would be like to eat dinner with Jesus? Have you ever thought what might be on his dining room table, his dinner table? Think about it. Jesus is the future king of the earth, the son of the creator and ruler of the universe. His table is full and it's continually being replenished with the finest foods, both physically and spiritual. One evening, many years ago, we were living in New Jersey and I was traveling out of state when Sandra was invited by a friend to a corporate Christmas party. It was held by one of the richest corporations in the world. Sandra's friend had grown up in another country, very poor, living on a very tight food budget. And at this party, there were tables and tables filled with shrimp and roast beef and chicken and vegetables and desserts of all kinds, tables and tables of food. And because the weather was bad, attendance said the party was kind of low. So as the party was winding down, Sandra's friend began to pack away food into her purse. And Sandra's purse. She said, put this, here, put this in. She wrapped up some trips. Put this in your purse and take home. And, and come here, daughters. Put, put this food in your purse and take it home. Shrimp and roast beef disappeared into the purses. They were packed. And her friend explained, they'll just throw it away. We can't waste this food. 
Folks, what she did that day and what was on those tables was nothing compared to the crumbs of grace and healing that fall off of Jesus' table. There's plenty for all of us dogs, for that's who we are compared to the Lord of the universe. We are pets, but that also means that we're valuable. We're welcome. We're loved, and we will always be well taken care of. His crumbs are what we would consider full meals. And so when you see someone and you're inclined to think that that person isn't good enough for Jesus, remember this story. For the crumbs that Jesus will throw someone, anyone, us, are much better than we could ever find ourselves. Why do we reject other people and think they're not good enough for Jesus? Perhaps, like the dogs we are, we're jealous and don't really recognize just how much food there is on Jesus' table. Like dogs, we want to keep other dogs away from our home under the table. For we're afraid there won't be enough crumbs to go around. But we don't realize that on top of the table, there are hundreds and thousands of hams and beef roasts and chicken breasts and shrimp and french fries and salads and rolls and gallons of mashed potatoes and even more food that we can't yet name sitting on that table, spiritual and physical food, ready for Jesus to toss to us, to heal us and to lift us up. When we are feeling down, when we're feeling lonely, you can get just an inkling of what that's like by calling a friend in the church. And they will share some of the crumbs of grace that they've been given. There's no need to be jealous. In fact, Jesus wants us to learn to invite all people to his table, all to share of those crumbs. For you see, Jesus himself is the main course. Being with him is better than anything else we've ever had. And he even said one day that the bread that he shares is his body. And the blood which he shares, well, the, the wine which he shares is his blood. Two weeks we'll have communion. Sing with me. Come sinners to the gospel feast, number 616.
Grove United Methodist Church and Pastor Brian Bowley would like to thank you for listening to last week's pre-recorded sermon. Join us live this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and on Facebook. We are located on Route 47, a mile and a half east off I-77, just across from WVU Parkersburg campus. Donations may be mailed to Cedar Grove UMC, 168 Old Turnpike Road, Parkersburg, West Virginia, 26104. Or you can text the word GIVE to 1304-244-1903 or visit our website, cedargroveunitedmethodist.org and click on the GIVE tab. This will bring up a form where you can determine how much you would like to give. Thank you and God bless you in your life.